Welcome back to Two Crows Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Holmes, and we have a guest, Bree, on today. Oh, I'm, I keep forgetting that I put my non-mirrored camera on. Bree on today, and she is here to talk to us about some of her skills and things that she can offer to all of you if you're ever interested. So why don't you give us a little intro about what it is you do and where they can find you? Well, hi, I'm uh, Brie James. Um, I go by Opens a Witch or the Green-Eyed Witch on TikTok, which you can find me on TikTok at uh, Opens Witchy Wears. Um, I have a website. I am a spiritual counselor. Uh, I'm an intuitive reader and a tarot reader. Um, I also make a lot of spiritual items and I, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. They're all wonderful. And we'll put all of those uh, handles and any websites as w- in the description. So if you want to go down there, y'all, you can go find her. So how did you get into all of this? Um, so I've always been kind of interested in the occult since my childhood and teen years, but never pursued anything like seriously, um, just drawn to crystals and things like that. It wasn't up until um, a little over three years ago when um, I had met kind of a mutual friend. She is the sister of the person that my best friend was dating. Um, and she had a reader group. Um, and my friend was just trying to get a free reading from something that they were offering. And um, this woman, had she told me to, you know, post your picture and and just, you know, do it with me for fun. And it ended up being this like four or five hour long conversation of me speaking to this woman um, and her telling me things that there's no way of her knowing, even things I hadn't even disclosed with my best friend. Um, uh, And after that, I had quite a lot of intense spiritual experiences and was kind of relaying those back to her. And she offered to more or less test me uh intuitively and it's kind of been say lovey since then oh that's amazing i have a lot of friends who have a lot of those empathic uh feelings towards other people and some of them channel it some of them don't and i feel like it's if you have a gift you should grow it and use it to help others uh that's really awesome I've been doing card readings for a long time, but I've never charged or anything for them. Um, and I only do them if I feel led to do them. I'm like, I don't want to just read for anybody. So. <laughs> That's fair. And it can be a little intimidating. Some people's energy is a little bit difficult than others, depending on either how well their energy is protected, how kind of strong their ego is, is more of like that crust um, that keeps us separated from the veil. Um so I've had a few, read- I've yet to have a bad reading, thankfully, but I've had a few readings where it's like, what is going on here? <laughs> and it takes just a little extra time to like weed through all of that energy. Mm-hmm. I've had readings done for me and I can very much tell when they're just trying to make money or if they actually care about what they're doing, yes. which makes a huge difference. Uh, have you run into other people in the industry with that? I have. Since I started my TikTok a while ago, I did lose a rather large account. 
uh, due to a lot of like false reporting and things like that, which had nothing to do with my reading content. Um, when I had first made my account, it was just kind of me going through my, like a way to push forward in my healing journey and share some of my experiences. And then when I wanted to start adding my reading to it, it just turned into this cluster mess of all kinds of stuff. So the engagement was weird. So I started getting a lot of weird reports on some of my more goofy TikToks and that inevitably ended up having me lose my account. But in a way it was a blessing because now I have two separate accounts. I have one where I just kind of goof troop around on and then I have the one that is solely designated for my business um and ADHD completely what, okay. where, where where were we going with this <laughs> um uh no that answer oh, oh other people in the industry and, yeah, yeah. and when I started growing my uh following and started doing more readings it started connecting me with other readers um I have one solid friend uh she also reads as well but she's been you know kind of pulling back from that just kind of dealing with things in her own life but it's nice to have somebody else who doesn't think you're a total looney tunes magoons to kind of balance things off of um when you're struggling trying to sort out your own energy and situations and even abilities definitely i struggle with that and i don't know if it's <laughs> a mixture of like my um empathy as well as like being autistic, but I struggle with knowing which feelings are mine or the people around me. And so having the exercises to figure that out is probably big and having someone to bounce that off of and try to sort out. It's kind of like having a, th a spiritual therapist. Yes. Yes. In a lot of ways. And that's a big part of uh, what I do with the spiritual counseling specifically. It's there's, it's very broad in the in what services I provide during that kind of a session with somebody some people come to me um, to learn how to strengthen their abilities some people just really need a safe space to speak to somebody and they can't really afford or go through like a, a traditional therapeutic uh, route like going to see a psychologist and things like that if I have anyone that has which hasn't really happened yet but if someone does come in and it's kind of like, this is a little, you really should probably go see a medical professional. I will refer somebody, but I haven't really run into that too much. Um, and a lot of it is teaching people how to differentiate um, between your energy and then influential energy. Yeah. Because a lot of people think that you have to be right next to somebody in order for their energy to affect you. And often that is very much not the case. You'll be sitting completely alone in your home and you're like, why am I so anxious and nervous? Like for the last half hour, there's no reason. There's no reason for this. Like, and I even, I even feel fine and I'm aware I feel fine. Mm -hmm. And then you get a phone call from someone who's having a dip, like they want to talk to you, but they're nervous about what they're talking about. An example of like that. Oh, definitely. I have a best friend that anytime either of us are going through a hard time and we're, before we even reach out to that person, we can already feel it. And I really believe in those connections that we build between people, whether they're positive or negative. Because um, yeah. I can also feel it with some toxic family members as well <laughs> that I don't want to be connected to. But uh, yeah, it's that's huge. And I'm glad that you do what you do because both our mental um, and spiritual parts of our, <laughs> I've been sewing faux fur on things so I have it flying all over the place <laughs> <laughs> I 
that wasn't an orb. <laughs> no. um, so, uh, but yeah, they both go hand in hand. And if they're, if one is unhealthy, I feel like it drags the other one down. Absolutely. And you can, um, if you're not able to, a lot of issues that will come with people that are what we would call awakening um, to the veil, to their own abilities, to things like that. Um, if you're not able to ground yourself mentally, energetically, and other things like that, you can, in fact, induce a form of spiritual psychosis, and that can be extremely dangerous. So I, another big part of why I try to provide my services for people that just feel like they're going crazy and kind of talk them down from the tree of like, well, let's see if we can't make this make sense in your 3D as well as in your 5D. Yeah. Do you do like one-time sessions or do you bring on clients that you see um, like regularly, like, like a mental health therapist? So it's a little bit of both. I have people that do come back. It's not as frequent, like, you know, once a week or something like that, like you would see with, you know, normal uh, counseling or psychology session. Um, I did go to school for psychology, but once it started getting more into the clinical, it just was something I didn't want to really be a part of. And this was even before I went my spiritual counseling route. Um, but I found that it was a good way to kind of mesh the two worlds together. And they also having that kind of background helped me in my own journey. Um, and so I have people that are somewhat regular where it's like maybe once every couple of months, but I also don't stick it to just a one hour session. Mm -hmm. I've had sessions go upwards of six hours. It really depends. I like to take my time with somebody and it really just depends on what they're going through. Um, and that was a big part of what I had an issue with, with, um, traditional psychology is that they're very much, much like a lot of modern medicine. It's kind of more of the agenda to keep somebody sick or to keep somebody either, you know, constantly needing medications or things like that. And I don't ever encourage them to go off of any kind of medication or anything like that. Um, but it's more of like, you don't, you can't get really much of a breakthrough with somebody within an hour you can within two to three hours because mm -hmm. then you have that them kind of releasing and processing. You're able to give a little bit of feedback and you'll find that often a lot of people just need that space to be able to say something out loud, to be able to fully process it. And if you give them the full amount of time that they need to do so, they come with the, they get hit those epiphanies a lot faster than what would potentially take, you know, months or even years with a, with a normal clinical setting of like a having meetings with a psychologist. I feel like that's why mental health retreats work so much better than sure. just going and meeting with a therapist too. No, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Because then uh, you're immersed in it and there's not, mm -hmm. there's enough of a break, but it's not so much of a, you know, you don't really hit that real nitty gritty of something and then have to wait a whole other week you're just constantly immersed in the in the environment yeah and for me between my one appointment where we didn't finish everything and the next one new stuff comes up too so you never end up actually dealing fully with that stuff from the beginning right it's just more about having that making someone in in this state of just constant prolonged care yep uh yeah. that's why i've been in therapy since i was seven <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, I feel like it's more to, to make a, someone be my friend for an hour. <laughs> you, you know what? And sometimes you need that too. <laughs> like we'll get paid. It's fine. Uh, no, it's been great. I, I love, so, I mean, I, 
I've had, have you had clients? <clears throat> so I know it's like this in, in other therapies, but have you had clients that you've had to say a different medium would be better for you? Like we're not really vibing and connecting. Um, not really. Um, the, the only time I've ever faced an issue is with, um, some of my male clients who really only accept my service or like purchase my services in order to try to get some kind of mm-hmm. in with me to be able to like communicate with me personally and things like that. And that's where I've seen some of my issues because a big part of what I do as well is, um, trying to create emotional safe spaces for men and helping them with their emotional maturity, their spiritual growth. And a lot of them that really don't have any interest, they kind of put that facade of wanting that mm-hmm. growth. Um, they, they have a hard time disconnecting um, with actually taking advantage of the real service and just, you know, listening to me talk or, you know, throwing out these little, you know, trigger words, spiritual trigger words that they pick up on TikTok. And I can usually pick up on that relatively quickly, but it's, it's still that I, it's, I still try, you know, yeah, it's like maybe yeah. I can still try to get through to you. And then after the session is over, there's a lot of unprofessional conversation that they try to engage with. And I'm like, that's not what this is, but <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially when you're very clear about providing what service you are giving them and they're providing it money for that service and you're giving them exactly what they paid for but they seem to think that since they gave you money they have access to more than that exactly exactly never appropriate so all of you listeners if that's the reason you're getting a hold of her shame on you (laughs) don't do it i got a different website exactly And that's websites also exactly what we say it is. <laughs> right. Right. You know exactly what you're getting. You know exactly what's going on going in. Exactly. <laughs> and tipping does not mean that we owe you anything else. No, that's another thing too. Yeah. When they'll just like forthright give, you haven't even asked for anything. And it's like they portray it as like a donation or, or a tip or something like that. And then oh, but I did this. So now, now you owe me this. And it's like, no, no, I don't actually. So sorry. Tips me for my services. I already gave you. Right. I already knew that that session was awesome. Thank you for confirming. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. It is validating to receive a tip. So if you want to just validate us, feel free. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So when you are going into a session, are there different types of sessions that you have? Yeah. So, um, kind of like I was touching on before there are, um, I have clients that, um, so I do like readings. So I offer different types of readings and let people choose between those. But as far as like the spiritual counseling sessions, I have people that are coming in and they're wanting to, um, kind of learn how to do shadow work on TikTok, especially this has been kind of booming with people wanting my services with that shadow book, the shadow work journal. And although I think it's an amazing tool for it to help people become self-aware, it's like you are really just scratching the surface and it really doesn't explain kind of how you break that down. 
Yeah, that was my thought exactly with that. And it's more of a, it is a tool. It's a tool that you use with skills you already have. So if you don't have those skills and you receive a tool, you don't really know how to use it. Correct. Correct. (laughs) So it's more of just like this glorified little, let's be sad about stuff journal. And it doesn't offer a lot for like replacing that or even processing what that actually triggers. Because some of what I've read in it, it's like it would put someone in a trigger state of yes, you're kind of in this regressive state of like going back to old memories and reliving old traumas, but it's not teaching them how to break down those events and break down kind of where they would affect them today. Um, And that's the biggest issue. So I've had more people coming in thinking that shadow work is one thing when shadow work isn't just, you know, thinking about all the bad stuff that happened and being like, oh yeah, that's bad stuff that happened. It's about integrating your shadow so that you're taking these kind of more challenging situations that have happened through your life and how they have affected your personality and transmuting them into something that's going to be positive and benefit you going forward. And a great example of that is, um, I like to use rage as an example of that. Um, By societal standards, everyone wants to repress and push down um, rage because, oh, if you're mad about something or if you feel certain, like if you're feeling that kind of explosive anger then oh then you're out of check and you're you're the problem when you know at the end of the day rage could very much save your life you know depending on the situation it's more about being able to harness and transmute again that word that energy and making it work for you and not letting it control you that's huge and there really needs to be more openness about that because i feel like people either don't talk about their their rage or anger because yeah. because we're taught as children that that's wrong right don't be upset don't do this yeah to even feel it we're wrong yeah so people end up really going into their shells when they're feeling any sort of what we consider a negative emotion whether it's right. sadness depression anger anxiety and we end up isolating ourselves yeah and- we start attaching that shame to it when it's nothing to be ashamed of. If someone's wronging you, you have a right. That's an appropriate emotional reaction to be upset about it. Yeah. And if we never figure out how to channel it in a positive way or a way that is beneficial to us, then we'll never be able to actually deal with those emotions. No. Or they can end up coming out more negatively where you're repressing, repressing, repressing. And then all of a sudden there's this big explosion and you're overly upset about something that could have you know been normally upset but just now you're you know you're taking it out on loved ones you're taking it out on co-workers and things like that or even to the point of harming other people where if you're able to break down and process that as well as be able to express and feel those emotions in a healthy way you find a lot of that kind of dissipates where you won't have these explosive outbursts that even you feel out of control of definitely yeah, that was something I grew up very ashamed of is having any sort of negative feeling. And so I ended up just being really quiet. Uh, I was dealing with chronic medical conditions that I ended up never addressing until I was an adult because I felt so bad saying that I was always in pain, that I was always dizzy and nauseous, and I never felt good. Yeah. And It's just, and people act like we're just supposed to see the bright side of everything. No, we need to actually deal with what's causing those things. (laughs) Yeah, no, 
know, and the, some it often will come in to play, especially if you feel like you're responsible for regulating your parents' emotions as well. Oh gosh, where you feel, yes. yeah, where you <laughs> and when you feel like you can't, you know, express when something is wrong with you because oh, well, that makes me a burden or that makes me too much or they're going to react this certain way and all I want is help. And that can be extremely detrimental, especially when growing up. Yeah. yeah. I'm so happy to deal with that. Even, yeah, because even when dealing with normal, like, adolescent things, it was a burden to my mother. Yeah. And I know that she watches my podcast, so I never say anything to, like... <laughs> like too big but I'm honest and she knows I'm yeah. honest and I've been very honest with her about how it felt growing up and so I'm not ashamed of her watching any of this but it was I never knew which version of her I was going to get coming home and yeah. so I I didn't want to bring up any of the issues with me there was a time I had pneumonia and she kept telling me I was faking being sick. And I was like, maybe I am. Like, I in my head, like, kept thinking, maybe I, I am faking it. And I'm making myself sick. Finally, she took my temperature. It was, like, over 102. And we went into the doctor. And I had pneumonia. And I'm like, I was sick. <laughs> I was right. Um, I had similar experiences, um, especially when it came. But in almost in an opposite way. My mother was a medical professional and um, is a nurse now. So I was afraid to bring up anything of feeling sick or anything like that because she more or less would try to play doctor at home. Um, and some of that got very, very not okay and very scary. So um, it, it's, it's a lot. And it's, you know, there's that understanding of, you know, unpe unhealed people will hurt others, even if it's not intentional and things like that. But it still has quite a bit of an effect on on us as we grow up and and as we learn to parent our own children and things like oh, that. Yes, I like overly <laughs> believe them when they say they're sick now. <laughs> right Absolutely. to the to the point where they they get away with staying home when they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> we do what we can. <laughs> I know we we often swing the other way. <laughs> with things <laughs> we'll either do exactly what our parents did and excuse it as what we grew up with or we'll swing the other way and be like I want to be nothing like them <laughs> so. no I'm I'm also struggling in that area of you know not to get too deep or too you know anything but um there was a lot of physical aspects of you know kind of that if it if it's not listening or you know if it doesn't work you hit it to make it work um where I'm I'm currently dealing with other things but as my daughter has been getting older it's like I don't know if I can punish you I don't know how <laughs> like what is what is punishment that isn't scary I don't know um so that's so that's that's been my struggle of you know how do I make sure that I'm establishing boundaries and you know things like that um with my own kiddo with mm -hmm. it not ever going to that place yeah having the mutual respect and having the I don't know. It's hardest with my 14 year old right now, <laughs> but uh, just having that mutual respect. It, there is none towards me right now. And it's really hard to have it towards them. <laughs> cause well, yeah. And teens are, I mean, let's, let's be honest, even, you know, regardless of our parents or otherwise us personally as, as teen, we were awful. We suck. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're just trying to figure it out, but like, 
we're we're not only dealing with like the monthly hormonal things that we go through, but just constant state of hormonal changes, plus everything that you deal with in high school, plus whatever home dynamic you're trying to sort through. Um, it's a lot and it can, not all of it is, you know, none of it really is our fault, but at that age, it's like, I even knew regardless of what was going on at home that I was a bit of a nightmare because <laughs> I was just trying to figure myself out and there's there's really no like magic anything that's going to fix that it's more of just like letting time go on and letting those hormones and other things kind of regulate out on their own yeah and having outside people you can talk to and realize that what you're going through is like you're valid in your feelings that it'll be okay it will pass (laughs) right they will they will become adults someday (laughs) no absolutely um I have a lot of clients that actually are currently dealing with um not so much having issue with their teenage sons it's more a lot of the teenage daughters and it's like just remember when we were that age you know the hormones were wild and crazy and it was just biology that was our worst enemy at that point oh my gosh right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, see my girls are almost uh let's see 11 and 12 so they're about to have birthdays and then my boys are 14 and 16. And so I feel like they're all going through hormones at the same time because girls go through it earlier. And boys go through it later. Oh God, yeah. Oh, so there's just so much. I'm like, I just keep a chocolate supply. And <laughs> right. I love it. Oh gosh. And anything I like trying to get my 14 year old to do any activity. I'm like, just pick anything. I don't care what it is. Dance, robotics, a sport. I don't care. Like, just, right, just get some stimulation somewhere else other than social media and your peers. <laughs> yeah. And meet some good people. <laughs> right. That's that's another struggle of keeping them. You know, you know, it's hard to say because you don't want to say the wrong crowd, but let's, you know, not everyone's kids have the best intention and when you can mm-hmm. kind of outwardly see that you're like can we just kind of avoid this particular person right now yeah luckily yeah. for me now he legally has to avoid them so well that's good that's good like it's out of my hands not even my fault so <laughs> well then there's a double win there <laughs> i don't have to take the blame <sighs> for this and also we have the outcome we needed and individually, they're not bad kids. It's when they get together and yeah. they feed off each other's bad ideas. And no one is yeah. a voice of reason. <laughs> yeah. They need to add one in that like is the boring one that they're like kind of sad they're there, but at the same time glad they're not getting in trouble. <laughs> right. right. You need that. In every movie, there's always that one kid in the group. Where's that in real life? Where's, yeah. where's that one in real life? Yeah, none of them have glasses. We need to find one with glasses. <laughs> there we go. And he's, they've got a book glued to their hand. And it's some kind of social book. That's all you need to know. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> and they're constantly spouting out little philo- philosophical things they learned from the books. <laughs> I think, honestly, I think I might have been that kid. <laughs> like, like, back on, I, I was, was that I was kid. I was older. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, maybe let's not throw eggs at this person's house and go and do this instead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I ne- feel like jumping fences right now. <laughs> I never did any of that stuff. Um, yeah. No. The worst I did was we had a dental office next to our house. 
and there was an elevator in there and like it was public space you can go in there yeah. um but there was an elevator and i we realized there were doors to the back as well as the front but there were no buttons for the back yeah we're like where does this go so we went like all the way up and down it never opened for any of the floors and so each floor we like we're opening it and seeing if there's anything there yeah and there was one floor we opened it and there's like this weird little office room with a tv and couches and like it was like a break room but there was no door oh weird yeah you could only get there from the elevator <laughs> So we'd go and Probably hang like out little in there. key scenarios or something like that. Where yeah. Like, by a key. I think the other than some dabbling in substances, um, I think the worst, like as far as any other property wise trouble um, was ding dong ditching. And we ended up ding dong ditching this couple's house a couple times. And finally the guy had come out and he's like screaming in the street. He's like, we just had twins. What are you doing? No. I felt the, the amount of guilt I felt. Never did it again. <laughs> like, I'm going to use that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Take it. Um, but no, I felt so bad because this guy like was just at his wits end. And I mean, sure, we were just trying to have a little bit of harmless fun. But at the same time, it was... It's like, man, I, I'm quite a bit older than my siblings. So I grew up, you know, watching them and taking care of them essentially when they were very little. And I'm like, I witnessed and experienced some of that exhaustion and you had two at once. I feel like an asshole. <laughs> you go make them a little basket. <laughs> so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Here's some melatonin. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. please just get some sleep I'm sorry about it. just some tea <laughs> no <laughs> I probably should have but that was enough to just be like you know what I I'd rather just kind of destroy myself than other people you know <laughs> oh I never ding dong ditched anyone either I didn't know my brothers did I was not a bad kid like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like I was just hanging out I snuck out of my room to go to my front yard sometimes at night <laughs> I had to do that at my dad's <laughs> and it wasn't even to leave anywhere but like to go and hang out in the backyard because it was a really cool pond and I wouldn't be able to sleep so it, he, we had these alarm systems on the windows mm-hmm. so that if you opened up the windows it would just beep it wouldn't necessarily make the alarm go off but it would beep at the thing in his room so I'd prop it up and open during the day so that I could sneak out at night Smart. and just go hang out by the little pond yeah <laughs> sorry dad <laughs> no it's okay he will he will probably never see this <laughs> I I never did anything bad at my dad's house there was one time and I felt so bad about it we were at the movie theater and we, I don't even know what movie we were seeing probably a Star Wars movie but we had popcorn and I didn't get any the whole movie and we had gotten a large one to split between our family so four kids and two adults and at yeah. the end, I was, like, crying because I was sad I never got any popcorn. And my dad's like, well, you never asked for any. And I said, well, neither did you. <laughs> he you literally bought either. the popcorn. <laughs> that was my one attitude against my dad. <laughs> too funny. Yeah, I tried not to cop too much of an attitude with my dad as well. Yeah. My dad was just so sweet. That's why. Like, it was the opposite of why you normally would. <laughs> he was so kind and like 
easygoing and easy tempered. That was the one time I ever saw him get really mad and he yelled at me after I said that. He's <laughs> like, what the heck? I literally bought the popcorn. You're saying I didn't ask for it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was a very anxious child. <laughs> Fair enough. My my dad was like, there was no physical or anything. Like he wasn't that, but he was scary in a different way, like in his presence. Um he was a very intimidating guy and punishments were no joke. Like if I got in trouble, literally my alarm clock was taken out of my room because it had a radio on it. So I'd have to wake up with him at four 30 in the morning and he's like, and you're up. And if you miss school, then, you know, it's going to be worse. And it was things like that. So yeah, I, 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 for the most part, tried to mind my P's and Q's, but again, self-destructive behavior was a thing at the time. Yeah. Yeah, my worst was kissing people. How dare you? How dare ah! you kiss people? <laughs> I barely got the chance. I wasn't even allowed to go and hang out at girlfriends' houses or anything like that when I was at my dad's. He was very, very strict. Yeah, my dad was. Like, my dad, he wasn't strict, but we weren't allowed to go to people's houses. We weren't allowed to go outside without him, even as teenagers. Yeah. Because he had been kidnapped as a baby. And so he was so scared of us getting taken or something happening to us that even in our backyard, he had to be there. And I feel like it led to my little, and he knows this, he won't ever watch this either, but he knows this. (laughs) But my little sister just moved out of his house and she's 10 years younger than me. So she's 24. Okay. And we didn't think she ever would, <laughs> but um, it was just, a baby. Is their sketch? <laughs> yeah, and she's a baby, baby, being so much younger than us. Because me, so my siblings, my stepsister was one month older than me, and my brother was less than two years younger than me. And then there was my little sister, ten years younger than me. So we all were like the yeah. same age. And then her, <laughs> yeah. But her being alone with being so like protected, even yeah. after even after she was eighteen, like protected like that yeah and it was and didn't get her license till she was like 21 22 uh just because she was so scared to drive because she was scared of getting an accident like this very scared of the world yeah and um he saw like what doing that kind of god yeah we went one way or somebody yeah (laughs) yeah so and I was very scared like her too it took me going to so it kind of took me going back to college uh when I was 24 about the same age as her uh (laughs) and realizing that I had a voice and that I could be assertive and that wasn't mean it wasn't mean to be assertive and that's actually a good quality to have (laughs) yes yes when as a child I was taught that you're seen and not heard and you're well you shouldn't even be seen (laughs) right and do as you're told and do as I say and not as I do and yeah and if you do anything to hurt anyone's feelings like that's bad you can't tell anyone you don't like a food that they made you can't tell anyone (laughs) you can't be honest basically is what they yeah No, I I have a lot of clients that also deal with the people pleasing tendencies and they, they, when it's, when it's the first few sessions, it's, you know, the first even bit of the conversation, it's, 
you know, it's jarring to them to be like, no, you can tell someone that you don't like something. You can tell someone that it's making you uncomfortable. You can, you can do that and insert yourself and you're, that doesn't make you some horrible, you know, piece of shit. <laughs> like yeah. it just makes you creating boundaries and holding boundaries for yourself, which is healthy. Yes. And then it also, cause we're also taught not to allow other people to like, other people aren't going to do that either. So we're not taught how to not take offense to other people being honest with us like if I make something like a food and people don't like it we're kind of taught that that's a jab at us not that that their taste buds are just different than ours (laughs) right right how dare you (laughs) so we'd rather them lie to us and just be honest oh gosh yeah and so I try to teach my kids that you just be honest and it was the best thing oh my goodness this was I was sitting at the kitchen table and my daughter uh came was just with her friend and they had had a sleepover the night before and they're standing there and one said I'm really bored of hanging out with you why don't you go home and we'll play again tomorrow and the other one's just like okay (laughs) I love that me okay (laughs) that would have never happened when I was a child (laughs) It'd be tears. <laughs> be like, oh my gosh, you hate me. Yeah. And when my best friend for a really long time, uh, we would go on trips together. And I had just discovered um, my own neurodivergence and was learning about myself and being overstimulated and that that's okay to take your time away when that happens. And I could tell she was. And before she even knew it, I was just like, Hey, do you want to go back to the hotel for a little bit? I can go and do this thing. Like I could tell when I asked her if she wanted to do it, it was like, she said yes, but didn't really mean it. I'm like, it's okay. Do you want to go back, take a nap or whatever? And I can pick you back up whenever you're ready. She's like, yes, (laughs) I absolutely want to do this. (laughs) Dropped her off. And an hour and a half later, she texts me. Okay. I'm ready again. (laughs) I'm like, perfect. Let's do it. It's nice. It's nice when we, even though it's not necessarily our responsibility to regulate someone else's emotions, it's still nice that when we're um, becoming aware and, you know, able to kind of identify whether we're getting overstimulated and things like that, that we can help someone else who isn't quite there um, come to that realization that that's okay to be like, I'm, this is a lot for me right now and I want to take a break and then that be totally okay. And yeah, after that day, she was okay with saying it to me, realizing I would understand, but other people don't like her husband at the time did not understand, Mm. took took total offense to her not wanting to be with him for a little bit. And, uh, I'm like, we can just sit in the same room and read if you want, like, if you want to talk. (laughs) That's one of the things I probably love the most about, um, my, like my best friend is that we we've almost always had the, that kind of unspoken understanding for whatever, even before we were aware of our own kind of offness. I don't know how to really words that right now, but that we, mm-hmm. we like to hang out differently than other people like to hang out. Like they always have to constantly engage with each other. Whereas, you know, we would literally go over to each other's homes and just take a nap. We just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like we weren't doing anything or she'd be doing something with her art and I'd be, doing something with my little art like that what do they call co-play or parallel play yeah um essentially but it feels weird to say that as like when you're older but it is what it is 
<laughs> and we're always very blunt with each other. So even if I go and hang out with her, cause she's got a new baby and things like that. And I go over and hang out with her and I, I love her person. Um, but sometimes he can just be a little bit, my, he's not my person. And there's a reason for that. Um, where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I gotta go. I want to leave now. She's like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the best. Uh, and I don't feel like people actually enjoy not having that. I just think that they don't understand how to do it. And because I feel like if people like when I was watching The Invention of Lying, have you seen that movie? I have not. No. So in the beginning of the movie, everyone is brutally honest. Like everyone's just completely honest. There's no such thing as lying. It doesn't exist. Okay. And then a guy realizes he tells like a little lie and he's like, that happened. And that wasn't truthful. Like, and so he starts lying and everyone believes him because everyone only tells the no truth. Thing is lying. Yeah. So he like became God and like started a cult, like all this stuff. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but like, to me, it was really refreshing. The not lying part. <laughs> I was just going to say, when you started talking about that, about how I'm like, that sounds like a dream. <laughs> never having to guess what someone is thinking or feeling they'll just tell you like they're they go on a blind date in the beginning him the guy the main guy and this girl and he's she's just like i do not find you attractive <laughs> right in the beginning thank you let's just good i'm gonna go f off now yeah perfect <laughs> <laughs> on to the next one <laughs> on to the next you know i that would be nice as far as dating goes that's for sure dating as a spiritualist i find very difficult um because even because people you know in talking about that people think that because i identify as a psychic and a medium and then i you know do all this other stuff they're like well can't you tell right away if someone's a piece of this that or the other thing and it's like it's not as simple as that um one i'm not constantly opening myself up to read somebody all day every day that's not healthy spiritual boundaries for one and two that would be just even more so exhausting than the energy that I have to deal with on a daily that I do sign up to deal with. Um, as well as there's a lot of different dynamics to deception and things like that. Someone can have kind of deceptive or sneaky energy and it's more about them not having the confidence to say what they do want to say or other things like that. So it may not be something malicious and it may be something kind, but they're nervous or they feel, mm-hmm. you know, embarrassed or we're operating out of their own wounding and things like that. Um, as well as a lot of people have a hard time grasping the concept that when someone masks for so long, they portray a certain personality. There is a part of them that believes that that's who they are to their core. And they will project that type of energy until you like actually start digging into the energy, which isn't fair to do to somebody without their permission. And a lot of people just don't fully grasp that. So there's spiritual consent as well. <laughs> It, I so I I like to go off the premise of you know I'm not here to tell anyone how to live their life and like not even close mm-hmm. but for my own personal practices and belief it's I find it to be very important to not try to read or dig into somebody's energy without their permission or without their knowledge oh that makes complete sense I mean of course yeah. there's going to be times where you do for your own protection but you're not right. going to tell them that and tell them anything about their life and what they should do it's more for you right um and we all do that we all read certain people's energies whether it's through their body language voice or just a feeling yeah um and it's not your fault you can feel more than 
a lot of other people can. <laughs> yeah, no, those are, and those are more of the superficial energies. Like, even though, like, so I offer things, like, I do do, uh, like, love readings and things like that for people. But even when I'm doing that and they're asking about this other person, I still go in with a premise of asking that person's guides to step forward to only relay energy and information to me that is important for this other person to know and not something that would be an invasion of privacy. That's huge. I yeah. didn't ever think about that when reading when readings involve more than the person in front of you. Yeah. Uh, so when you talk about guides, I know for me, I know what it means for me, but for other people listening, um, what are the guides that you are asking? Or so how do you guides find can, them? Oh, so guides can be a lot of different things. Um, guides can be certain deities in, you know, from any walks of religious paths. It's really, there's, it gets a little bit difficult um, trying to explain to somebody that I do not follow Abrahamic religions, but I do have like Archangel Michael, I would consider to be one of my guides. Um, or that I work with Hakate, or that I work with um, Loki sometimes. Like it's, it, it's it's hard for them to grasp that I don't have a boundary of having to work in one spirit, like one path with certain types of deities, because what people tend to believe that deities are is not quite what they actually are. Um, they have far less rules than people like to put on them. But guides can, apart from deities or gods or whatever, guides can be um, past loved ones, family members, things, people that you've had, friends that you've had in this life that have passed on. They can be ancestors, people from your bloodline um, or from past lives that you've had um, that come in and help you energetically. It's really, it's really important that if someone is going to work with their specific guides, that they take the time, whether through meditative practices, divination tools, you know, however, whatever they're drawn to, but to be able to pinpoint who exactly they're working with and how that guide wants to be addressed and worked with in return. Um, like for me, I, I consider my little sister to be one of my guides as well as my grandmother. Uh, I also believe that I have a warrior guide that's from a, one of my past lives where I didn't know him in this lifetime, but he still has ancestral ties to me. Um, so there's a lot of different people's guides or kind of people's guides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it really just depends. Yeah. So it's what's important to them and what they believe in and what energy it is they are drawing to themselves. Yes. And I get into a little bit of trouble, trouble. I mean, you can't really get into trouble with another adult because you're an adult. But in the spiritual community, I get a little bit of pushback because I'm not really big on close practices. Now, does that mean I think that someone should just start picking practices out of the air and completely disrespecting them? Absolutely not. But I do believe because we have past lives that may not involve our current bloodlines mm -hmm. and because we do have ancestral history, that if you are drawn to a circuit, certain practice, that is most likely a practice that is, in fact, meant for you, regardless of someone else's rules or stipulations, as long as you're honoring that practice and giving it the respect that it deserves. Oh, I 100 percent agree with you. And, I don't hear that often. <laughs> no, I really do. And I think I've I've talked on that before is we aren't like right now we are such mutts of so many different things. And so my dad's native, my mom's Scottish and uh, very 
uh, also very uh, like Scandinavian, but then we're also Romani. So there's just a whole bunch of different things. And I feel connection to all of them. And so I feel very, a lot of connection to the Romani people, as well as the Siksika people, which is the tribe that we're from. Um, and then the Apache, which brought us in, uh, cause we lived near the Apache and they brought my grandfather in and said, you're Apache now. Um, and there's different ways to become connected to things as well. Besides just bloodlines, there's, um, like chosen family as well. And, and I just, after I left the, the Christian faith, which my next guest that I'm recording with later tonight, we're talking about our religious trauma. <laughs> that's always a fun topic we both we both went to baptist school oh Uh, (laughs) and i grew up iblp so like the same cult as the duggars my stepmother is um mormon or the church of latter-day saints so yeah yeah i I, yeah i feel yeah (laughs) there's a lot of stuff to uncover there uh But after I left that and I started really in college again, during that still time of both my mental, emotional and spiritual awakening uh, of realizing there's a lot of different pieces of me. I'm not this one thing I've been told my whole life that I am uh, is when I really started digging in and discovering and learning. And I wanted to learn from the actual people. I didn't want to learn just from books written by white men. I wanted to learn from the people Uh, what was going on like now as well as what went on in the past and what the practices are that they are involved in and see it for myself and be around it and see what felt right to me and I really feel like yes I feel like people need to like we are taught if you're growing up in like a Christian atmosphere of any any denomination any fundamentalist or non-fundamentalist you're taught to not learn about them right yeah you're taught like you're basically wrong if you want to learn even though if you went to like seminary school you're taught sort of about the other religions right a very biased view of other religions for sure it's the christian Um, view of that religion right um and then even even if you're not going into that like even if someone's trying to step into the spiritual community you'll get a lot of this gatekeeping Um, because they'll tell you that, you know, you can't do this or learn this because it's not your this or that. A great example that I like to use to kind of help somebody broaden their perspective on that would be the documented instances of um, children who experience past lives. Um, And one example in particular is there was a little boy, don't ask me, city or state or dates right now because I literally immediately forget everything I've ever known. Um, But this this young man who's, you know, about eight years old, And, you know, he was obsessed with the Chicago fires, like absolutely obsessed with the Chicago fires. And he was convinced that he was an African-American woman who had died in those fires. Well, when he started, when they actually started like getting into it, having him meet with a psychologist and him breaking down everything, he went into deep so far into details of the building layout and what floor he was on. And, you know, his family members, you know, his daughter, I believe, um, who was still living um and he was in fact like there's nothing that you could convince me otherwise that he was not this woman in a past life but it's just this little you know caucasian boy in this like little family like super i think they were catholic like 
you know, and they had no ancestral ties like that, but he had still lived a past life as this African-American woman and experienced all of that. Who says his bloodline, his spiritual bloodline isn't just as tied to everything her bloodline was in life as it is in his lifetime now. I had literal chills while you were <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard of a lot of children and they usually ignore it. The parents ignore it. Right. Um, but the ones that have dug into it have been very accurate, uh, whether it's a recent or a very past life that there's evidence of that person existing that they say that they were. And they aren't like a big, like famous person. It was a, right. It's just a person. Yeah. It's not like something they could have come across in school or anything like that. They're very yeah. obscure uh, relationships. I believe there's another example um, of a little boy who had like the most uncanny recognition and was able to map out the entire lay- uh, like layouts of the Titanic and things like that as well. Um, like it's just fascinating. And it's like you can't tell me that just because not in this lifetime's bloodline that they don't have ties spiritually Mm -hmm. um, based on other past lives. I mean, they found in our DNA recently that there is uh, like almost memory within our DNA of our relatives before us. And so it's scientific. Like, (laughs) Yeah, right. There's science. And I mean, I love that phrase that it's uh, magic is science. We don't understand yet. Mm -hmm. It's so true. It literally like is. the herbs, like there's so much within the healing community um, of healers that I know that's medicinal. Like some of these herbs are using are literally in the medications that they're giving people yeah. and yeah. or where they derived them from originally and then made them more potent or whatever uh, right. or decided to but manufacture. The original has way less side effects. On, yeah. And yeah, again, yeah. Go back to that <laughs> modern medicine, just constantly trying to keep people sick for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah like if you were to look at me you probably wouldn't guess that I have like I have blood ties to Egypt like you would not know that but thanks to ancestry.com and that 20 what is it 23 and me or whatever we found that within our DNA and it's like well where the hell did that come from you would never guess that looking at me however throughout my life I've always been kind of drawn um to the history of Egypt and Mm -hmm. Egyptian gods and things like that I have as well it's so funny when I was growing up, I had all these Egyptian books and my mom almost was convinced that I had some sort of tie to Egypt. And I actually just put my raw DNA data into another place that digs in a little bit deeper. Yeah. And it is, uh, so before it just said Africa in general, um, but that right. one d- dug in deeper and it's more in the region of where Egypt was, is, um, yeah as well as what were the other places so of course america we knew that and asia which usually if you have native american it'll also tie to asia uh and then like the scandinavian area like it dug back way back into prehistoric dna of like where your ancestors migrated from and it was very yeah cool. <laughs> that is super cool you'll have to share that link with me yes um, i would love to dive in deeper in that there are a lot of paywalls, I will, <laughs> but you don't have, you don't have to pay. So there's free stuff that you can get from the website and you can pull the DNA, the raw data from 23andMe and put it into their website. Okay. And then if you go into the emails every day and I'll post this link for you guys too. <laughs> if you go into your emails every day, it'll give you free stuff. So f- new free traits that you can see. So you don't really have to pay because you'll eventually get them all. 
So. Okay, that's really cool though. I yeah. love that. I think it was called, let's see, I probably got an email today. Uh, unless it's just weekdays. Let's see. But oh, and I also found out uh that one of my grandparents cheated on the other one through doing that too. <laughs> oh my god. Now yeah. now we're just getting into the the, the deep the dirt the drama <laughs> uh, it's called genome link and i'll post a okay. i'll post a link to it but yeah you just get your raw data which you can you can just google how to get it from 23andme you download it and then you put it into there so that's, that's pretty really cool, cool. I'll have to check that out yeah uh i never i didn't find any long lost relatives but that's okay <laughs> i was like maybe i have a sister out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't know yeah I don't I don't think I don't know if I do and I'm good <laughs> um but my brother's really my brother and my dad's really my dad and my mom's really my mom but they all did it so it's all like in there with us but I don't I don't think I could deny my family if I tried I look when I was younger I looked exactly like my mother and as I've gotten older I'm the female version of my father you do those little tiktok filters with a beard i'm like this is my dad this is literally my dad (laughs) i look exactly like my brother when i put the beard on (laughs) i even posted a video uh, because i did it of like my brother at my funeral like being like that's not her like uh, when people are saying nice things about (laughs) about you at your funeral and then i'm like i was like oh my gosh that looks just like my brother so i made another video with pictures of him and i'm like that's that's the same person right the same person that's hilarious so chris you make a beautiful woman in moral story um but i was curious what types of readings do you do when someone comes to you for a reading so i offer different readings at different price points um because even though and i've been told by a lot of other, you know, readers that I'm not necessarily super close with, but that I just engage with relatively regularly is that, you know, you should charge more, you should charge more. I don't want that. I want to be accessible for a lot of people um, because what's the point then if someone can't, you know, access you when they really need help. Um, My most popular readings would be the general or the general extended. um, And you can go to my website and that breaks down the price and the timeframes. Um, all of the time limits are the minimum, but I don't really put a limit on myself. I want to get you your message regardless of how long it's really going to take me. Um, so I will also offer general general extended readings, and that's pretty open. Um, a lot of times it's just about someone wondering, you know, how they can better spiritually process something or if their guides are trying to like, you know, they're just seeing a bunch of angel numbers and things like that. And they're like, I don't know how to make sense of this. It's like, okay, well, let's Let's see what they're actually trying to tell you and the information they're trying to give you and things like that. I do do quite a few uh, relationship readings, um, but those are two energy readings. A lot of people use them for like love interests or um, getting some insights on their current relationships and things like that. But they're also designed for like if you're having a, you know a difficult time, maybe relating to your mother or you know your sibling or even coworkers. Um, so I kind of have them. They're labeled as relationships, but within it, it does specify that this is not just for love. It's for just two-party energy um, type of readings. And then I also offer shadow work readings. Those I really go into 
um, more of, you know, breaking down shadow work. Sometimes they start with a reading and then kind of finish out more or less with a bit of spiritual counseling um, so that I'm not just like, here you go. This person. <laughs> yeah. Like here's all this, you know, trauma that you're going to have to relive and then just let them go and unravel on their own. I want to make sure that they're in a good headspace and they understand the message and kind of how to work through it um, before I like fully let them go. I have been considering offering more of like Akashic records. So this would be like delving into like their past lives, past um, like a, their, the abilities that they would have, the strongest abilities that would be present, depending on how many lives they've lived with these abilities. Um, just that deep, deep information of the mysteries of the universe. Um, but for right now, I'm just kind of leaving that alone because it does come up sometimes within the shadow work readings, just depending. Um, and then I offer my spiritual counseling. I do, I'm wanting to put back on my site dream interpretations, but those are, I mean, if I'm being honest, they're just kind of more fun for me. Um, they do end up kind of, you know, being accurate when I have done them in the past, but I'm really just fascinated about hearing people's dreams. It's more of like something for me, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest, like, I just want to hear your dreams. I want to give you a message with them, but I want to just hear your dreams. Some of them are crazy. Um, it's just I, amazing how the human mind works. I talked about one of mine on here. I don't know if it's come out yet. So forgive me, you all, because you've already heard this by now. Uh, but I've had this reoccurring dream since I was five. And I okay. still have it. Uh, oh, it, it did come out. It was on the tentacle tree uh, episode. So it is crazy. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents just got divorced when I started or separated when I started having this dream. Yeah. And... I have this dream that a T-Rex comes up to my window and we were in a condo and my bedroom's on the second floor and he like telepathically tells me he wants me to climb on his back. So I go out my window, I climb onto the T-Rex's back. He eats my family <laughs> and then we go like down, we're walking down the street to Taco Bell and he's like eating all the people along the way and we get to Taco Bell and we have Taco Bell and that's the end of my dream. And I have it all I the time. <laughs> I love that. Can I borrow your dinosaur? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that's so. So I've never had a super reoccurring dream like that myself. I actually don't dream very much. And even when I had gone through my initial awakening, I was having extremely vivid dreams, but it was becoming a lot. And I more or less kind of made this agreement with spirit. I was like, I'll take daytime visions over, <laughs> like, just let me freaking sleep. I just want to sleep. Right. This is my one time where you guys can leave me the hell alone. Um, but my friend Rachel has this reoccurring dream constantly um, of plane crashes. She's never on the plane. It's never crashing into anything that she's in but literally since we were teenagers she has constantly told me about these plane crash dreams and I have my own theories about it just you know that I've tried to relay it to her but she's not very receptive to those so it's like whatever I just let her talk about them but it's always she's always witnessing a plane crash in the distance but she's always in a different location and I just they're just it's like what is that about <laughs> like why do you keep having these has she looked into if plane crashes have been in those locations? I don't think she has. No, uh, she doesn't really. And then I, I also don't follow up. Maybe I should start following up every time. She, <laughs> just research. She tells me yeah, just hmm, I wonder. Um, but no, it's always it's always plane crashes, um, and she's always like in a different mood in her dream about them. Like sometimes she's just like indifferent. Like oh wow, that's 
that's something that happened. And then other times she's like really panicked. Like she's, it's, it's, a, it's fascinating is what it is. But, and that they're different, but the same. So that's also interesting because mine's always yeah. exactly the same. I'm still five years old every time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've learned how to lucid dream. And so now when it oh. happens, like, I feel like I'm more there and I'm like, yeah, we're riding on this dinosaur now. <laughs> Can we go somewhere else to eat? I love Taco, Taco Bell. Bell three times a week. <laughs> we go to Del Taco now. <laughs> we got a Del Taco. There you go. I got to get the potatoes. Oh, I miss Del Taco so bad. Right? <laughs> they don't have it here. They don't. They don't have it up here. Yeah. And when I was living in Colorado, they have it there. And so I ate there like every week while I was living there. Okay. Yeah. When I was in Arizona, they have Del Tacos everywhere. Yeah. The red sauce is just. (sighs) (sighs) Just a hard segue into Del Taco. (laughs) And we have listeners in Arizona, New Mexico, and California, and Colorado. And so all of you enjoy your Del Taco. Right? Rub it in our faces. <laughs> Post a picture. Tag me in it. Right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I was dealing with uh, gastroparesis, and my safe food has been Taco Bell. And I'm like, how oh, really? is that a safe food for anybody? I was going to say, I was like, that is surprising. Taco Bell usually gives me the rumblies and the tummies and not in a fun way. Yeah, everyone <laughs> says that, but Lee, my co-host and I, both of us, it's a safe food. We both have gastroparesis. We both have EDS um, and we both have MCAS. And I'm like, I wonder if it's just something like they don't, don't have a lot of like allergens in the food. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that could be a thing for sure. Yeah. It's very basic. And they're like dehydrated beans and <laughs> that they just put water in. So there's not like any preservatives in the beans. So yeah. It, it could be that. And I don't usually get, I'm good with their chicken. Not so much okay. their beef. <laughs> yeah. Their ground beef is, why is it orange? Why? <laughs> That's always been my question. Why is it leaking orange? <laughs> I mean, I'll eat it, but. <laughs> right. I'm like, if I have to, fine, but i'm there's questions i have questions <laughs> uh, they're new enchilada burritos oh they're so good i think the last time i had something from taco bells when they came out with those um the grilled cheese burritos where they had the crust cheese On around the outside them. like how do you eat that i don't diff with great difficulty and a lot of meth <laughs> but it was good i will say that I need to try. I didn't get one because I saw someone else eating it. And I'm like, that just sounds terrible in my hands. But if I eat it with like a fork and a knife, maybe. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, if you have sensory issues, yeah, don't touch it. That's for sure. <laughs> like, definitely don't touch it. Super a lot. <laughs> and I also never wash my hands right before going to Taco Bell and driving up there in my car. And I'm not going to wait till I get home to eat it. So. See, I've got a, I've got one of those little um, hand sanitizer. I put it on my little car gear switcher. Well, uh, you're probably, smart. <laughs> you know, that's generous of you. <laughs> I think it's just paranoia, really. <laughs> I'm not even about like COVID or anything like that. It's just, I don't trust other people. <laughs> what they touch. 
I have my own soap in my backpack, but I should have oh, sanitizer because I'm usually allergic to soap that's in like public bathrooms. So I'd bring okay. my own. Uh, yay, I'm cast. <laughs> <laughs> but so I just have my own and I just keep it in my bag. I'm like, someone's going to accuse me of stealing this from whatever store I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, if they're had that hellbent on the soap, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I have to have like no perfumes in the soap, which usually theirs does have perfumes. And I'm like, so many people are allergic to it. So why do you have that? Yeah, I don't, I couldn't tell you. But I would, then I would recommend that probably the, I think it's Germex and because it's child safe. So like oh, they don't yeah. usually use a lot of fragrant, fragrances and it's not like really hard and heavy into the alcohol less drying so, yeah yeah less drying and and it, it's enough to you know make sure you're not eating someone's false sweat i don't know that's my that's what my brain goes like someone has scratched their junk and it's touched something i'm touching oh definitely <laughs> every day yeah every day <laughs> oh that's so funny uh, is there so i for, i didn't ask you what your favorite dinosaur is though Oh man, that is a question. Hmm. Maybe like a stegosaurus. Good one. And I think I think that's honestly because it's my my tiny human Mm -hmm. is in love with dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Um and she knows the names. I but that's the one she constantly like she she's stegosaurus like immediately. So that's the one I've memorized. That's awesome. Um, So I would say that one. (laughs) Perfect. There's no wrong answer unless you say something that's not a not not even not a dinosaur because there's some that I would still consider dinosaurs, but paleontologists are like, no, that's a blah, blah, blah. Not a dinosaur. Yeah. A uh, chicken. <laughs> perfect. Our modern day it. dinosaur. <laughs> uh, there was a video I just, uh, it came up on my memories of this guy introducing a T-Rex or no, it was a, a, a dinosaur of some sort to a chicken. Like, this is your great, 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 great grandson. <laughs> And they're like, what is that? What is that? We shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> it's a chicken. Oh, I love it. See, that's why it's accurate when you get dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets. That's you know, fair dino nuggies, that's the move. That's the move. They just they taste better that way. <laughs> it's probably what my tiny looks like. She prefers the dinos over the over the little round ones for sure. I like the, they had Halloween ones that I got too. So there was little ghost blobs. Cute. <laughs> I'm like, this just looks like a chicken nugget. Right? No, it's a ghost. Believe us. Oh, and bats. <laughs> the bats cute, looked bats. a little batty. The ghosts just looked lazy. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, just throw the regular chicken nugget. We'll never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, is there anything else you would like to bring up while we have you on here? Um, I am currently trying to raise about $1,800 because um, I am currently in a little bit of a kerfuffle trying to get um, my tiny human back. Um, so if anyone is willing to want to donate or contribute to that at all, you can find um, Cash App and Venmo through my website. Um, and if you put uh, two crows on there, I'll know that you're from the podcast and I am happy to offer um, a reading or a spiritual item of equivalent value in return. Oh, wonderful. You guys do that. <laughs> <laughs> do it. 
<laughs> we love helping people. Um, Lee, my co-host, actually went through some housing troubles and we were able to raise money for her, uh, which was um, wonderful. Uh, got some repairs done on her RV that she's been living in. So yes, if you, there's some life things that we do not need to mention in order for you to help, you don't have to know what's going on that would really, really be helpful to have, um, that come in. And like she said, she's willing to give you a, a reading or something of equal value for that money. Or if you want to schedule a reading, um, to help too, that yes. would be helpful. So, um, we, I'm going to challenge you guys to do a reading. <laughs> That's your homework. Like, don't be scared. <laughs> I find that a lot of people that like don't really dabble into this, they get really nervous about the readings. I promise I don't bite unless you ask. What kind of <laughs> spiritual objects do you sell? Because some people are um, into just having an object as well. So I personally, um, I am working on getting like the bolt crystals and things like that in, the, in my shop. However, I take the center cuts of seashells and I embed them with crystals, botanicals, and then encase them in UV resin. Um, they work great for charging tarot decks. They, um, because of their finish, they work great as like a worry stone. Um, oh, I actually yeah. just made a Slytherin themed one for someone to hang in their, um, in their car on their rear view mirror. Um, so you do so. custom ones as well? Yeah, no, I prefer to do custom. I don't, I, I do have some on deck. Mm. Um, but I prefer to do customs based on the kind of intentions and things that you want to bring into your life. Um, and those are all uh, showcased on my website, um, some of the examples that I have. Um, and if you just poke the witch, you scroll down to the bottom of the site, I'm the witch, you'll be poking me. Um, and oh, just yeah. tell me what you're kind of looking for. Yeah, poke. <laughs> uh, and tell me what you're kind of looking for. Um, that price that I offer on the site is, it encompasses a lot. So if you just let me know, you know, favorite color and again, intentions and things like that. Um, I'll be able to come up with a piece uniquely for you. Oh, that's wonderful. I have never heard of that before the, the shells. I'm the only one that does it, I think, <laughs> because I've looked it up. I've seen people do like the shell lids and then a little bit of that of putting mm -hmm. resin or other things in them, but never the center cuts or like pendants will do the UV. But I think I'm still to this day, the only one who does embedded center cut shells and do you recharge them like you would your crystals so i embed regardless of whatever stone or color or anything that you want in them every single piece um comes with shade, little bits of selenite in them so they are self uh cleansing and self-charging yes. but you they are strengthened also because it's uv resin they are strengthened by the sun if you live in arizona or texas or some of those very hot places Please don't leave it out because it will get too melt. hot and it can potentially melt um, or at least warp a little bit um, mm -hmm. at very least. But they are strengthened by the sun, which I find to just be beautiful. And then, of course, if you prefer to cleanse with uh, moonlight, um, they work for that as well. And they are waterproof, so you can cleanse in water, anything you really want. That's amazing. And then how do you cleanse your tarot decks? You just put it like with the tarot deck? I just set them right on top, like the same as someone would put like a chunk of you know, amethyst or tourmaline and set it on top of their deck That's you just set it right on top. What are your feelings about funny tarot decks? What is funny tarot decks? What do you mean? So I have <laughs> a cat tarot deck, a zombie one and a Disney villains one. Oh, I, I love them. Um, especially being an intuitive reader myself. Mm -hmm. um, I draw like 
I know the traditional meanings of cards and sometimes those energies do come through, but more often to not, the message that I get from the card is going to be determined by the image that I'm drawn to on that card or the surrounding surrounding cards and kind of how they all flow together. So I think they're an amazing way of self-expression. I actually have one of my own decks that I sell. Um, it's not a tarot deck. It is a messages deck. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I want I a messages deck. Oh, I'm going to look. <laughs> it's it's called the fuck about and find out deck. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, very, it's a very direct deck. And it also has some movie quotes and just some things that were more personal to me. It was a personal deck. I never thought I was going to release, but enough people asked about it that I... I've decided to actually make it a whole thing now. Um, but I love the silly decks because, the, again, there's goes back to that gatekeeping. I don't think there's mm -hmm. a wrong way to connect with a deck and to connect to energy. What feels right for you is right. Well, some people use just playing cards. So, yeah, no. Yeah. Because yeah. they do, they correlate with playing cards. So, they, yeah. So all of you Christians using playing cards, you're actually using tarot decks. Right. Magic. <laughs> I mean, you guys celebrate freaking Yule, so we're not even going to talk about that. <laughs> right. Santa is Odin, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we're, we don't talk about In case about you that. didn't know. <laughs> oh, Easter Bunny? What? <laughs> right? That's a whole different... It's a little It's a little X-rated. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah we're... He's hiding eggs somewhere else. You just don't. <laughs> I right, love Jessica's. it. <laughs> I love it so much. And they tried to take Halloween too, but then we didn't let them and they got sad. So now they hate us. Oh yeah. What was that? It was the Jesus mean or whatever. They were <laughs> Jesus it's mean. Like, it's like, this is, but you know even, what you're doing. <laughs> but they this even tried, they tried to combine Samhain with Day of the Dead or All Saints Day. Which, why? Samhain is such, is more of a tradition on uh, celebrating the harvest and nourishing your loved ones and uh, your community before you go into the winter months. It's completely different from celebrating, you know, whereas uh, Dias de los Muertos, where you're celebrating mm -hmm. the ones that have passed on and acknowledging them specifically. It's not that we don't incorporate some things like that, but it's more about the seasons. It's a celebration of the changing in the season. So it's like, stop trying to integrate everything because we're not all doing the same stuff. And Dia de los Muertos, they also, so it's funny, this is, I love this about history, but I love that, so the Spaniards, when they came down and tried to Catholicize, Catholicize, yeah. Catholicize uh, Mexico, uh, they were like, well, there's, there was a lot of different types of, um, like, voodoo and different things going on down there. And so they made voodoo priests, Catholic priests to try to make them Catholic. And to this day, voodoo priests down in Mexico are Catholic priests. That's crazy. Just to be like, oh, well, we're not going to fully be able to make you Christian, but we'll just pretend you're Christian. <laughs> we'll just pretend. Well, and they, they like to put their nose up at a lot of, you know, pagan and other traditions like that. But it's like, you celebrate, like, if you are a part of the Catholic, catholic face you're cannibalizing you're 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 celebrating cannibalism essentially yes. <laughs> oh my god you're, yes. you're drinking the blood of christ and you're eating the body of christ that's, that's in fact frowned upon in most things we're not doing that 
not eating people. <laughs> and they really believe. So if you're really like fundamentalist Christian or Catholic and a lot of the different um, sects of things, you mm-hmm. believe that it turns into flesh of Christ while you're digesting it or blood of Christ while you're digesting it. So you really are. It's not just symbolism to some people. They believe that. No. Yeah, no, they believe it's a form of integration. It's like, mm-hmm. for who's, let's just all agree that we're all a little crazy in our own little way. And like, let's just let each other live. It's funny. I literally just saw a TikTok maybe about a half hour before I started getting ready to come onto this podcast where this guy was talking about how the kids from his local Catholic church were having a lemonade stand. And he's like, so if wine is the blood of Christ, <laughs> what's the lemonade? <laughs> I wonder if and they I'm would like, sell it. They're like, drink the pee of Jesus. <laughs> pee of Jesus. <laughs> That's advertisement right there. That's marketing. <laughs> I think they could go for 50 cents instead of a quarter with this. <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh my god. I love it. This has been such a pleasure speaking with you and thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for coming on and I will put all your links below. Um, If you did you add in like cash app or anything or is that in your link? So yeah so if you go to my website right at the very top you'll see a button that says find me other places um, as well as the readings themselves link directly to my cash app. Perfect. I will have that all in there for everyone on all the platforms. Uh, If you are watching or watching, listening on audio, this is also on video. So any of my episodes with a guest will also have video. The ones that are just me usually don't have video. (laughs) I'm boring to watch alone. (laughs) I'm sure you're not. No, it's just a lot of editing when I'm like trying to tell a story and my dyslexia is so bad. (laughs) Right news everywhere. Somehow we've looped around in three different stories. Where are we? <laughs> if it's a 30 minute episode, you guys, it probably took me an hour and a half to record it. <laughs> I can't say anything. Even in the beginning of this, when I was trying to talk about this, I'm like, wait a minute, what was the point? Where did it go? <laughs> I tried to, oh my gosh, I was trying to say amortization and I have worked in mortgages for a long time and I just switched to another, to leasing. And they were talking about something and it was so much like mortgages. I'm like, oh, so it's like they're re-amortized. See, I still can't say it now. (laughs) Um, They're they're lean so that they're ending at the same time as another lean. So they're um, putting, making bigger payments and the lean is going to be for a shorter amount of time. Because they're probably going to buy it out at the end. And I was trying to say that word. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on a group call and I'm like I, I can't you guys sorry <laughs> I promise I, never mind I'll spell it look it up <laughs> I know what I'm talking it's in it's it's correctly in my mind when I'm thinking about it it's that mind mouth connection that that'll get us doesn't happen just doesn't work all right so here's my awkward outro for you all because we know that I love a good awkward outro I will post all the links below. Please help Brie out. Um, I promise you, you don't know what it's about, but she could really use the funding. Um, and again, you will get something for helping. Uh, she's not just asking for charity, but if you do just want to give some money, that is perfectly acceptable as well. You can tip her for being on the podcast. There you go. <laughs> and, um, 
we adore you. Uh, I will have my Patreon below as well. And um, the email, if you think that you would make a good guest or you know somebody who would be a good guest on the show, whether it's this one or Frightening Frowen. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Dragon Ball Z. Just kidding, Crow out.